Chapter Twelve of I Say No. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. I Say No by Wilkie Collins. Book the Second in London. Chapter Twelve. Mrs. Elmother. The metropolis of Great Britain is, in certain respects, like no other metropolis on the face of the earth. In the population that throngs the streets, the extremes of wealth and the extremes of poverty meet as they meet nowhere else. In the streets themselves, the glory and the shame of architecture, the mansion and the hovel, are neighbours in situation as they are neighbours nowhere else. London, in its social aspect, is the city of contrasts, Towards the close of evening, Emily left the railway terminus for the place of residence in which loss of fortune had compelled her aunt to take refuge. As she approached her destination, the cab passed by merely crossing a road from a spacious and beautiful park, with its surrounding houses topped by statues and cupolas, to a row of cottages hard by a stinking ditch, miscalled a canal. The city of contrasts north and south east and west the city of social contrasts emily stopped the cab before the garden gate of a cottage at the further end of the row the bell was answered by the one servant now in her aunt's employ miss letitia's maid personally this good creature was one of the ill-fated women whose appearance suggests that nature intended to make men of them and altered her mind at the last moment Miss Letitia's maid was tall and gaunt and awkward. The first impression produced by her face was an impression of bones. They rose high on her forehead, they projected on her cheeks, and they reached their boldest development in her jaws. In the cavernous eyes of this unfortunate person, rigid obstinacy and rigid goodness looked out together with equal severity on all her fellow-creatures alike. Her mistress, whom she had served for a quarter of a century and more, called her Bony. She accepted this cruelly appropriate nickname as a mark of affectionate familiarity, which honoured a servant. No other person was allowed to take liberties with her. To every one but her mistress, she was known as Mrs. Elmother. "'How is my aunt?' Emily asked. "'Bad.' why have i not heard of her illness before because she's too fond of you to let you be distressed about her don't tell emily those were her orders as long as she kept her senses kept her senses good heavens what do you mean fever that's what i mean i must see her directly i am not afraid of infection there's no infection to be afraid of but you mustn't see her for all that i insist on seeing her miss emily i am disappointing you for your own good don't you know me well enough to trust me by this time i do trust you then leave my mistress to me and go and make yourself comfortable in your own room emily's answer was a positive refusal mrs elmother driven to her last resources, raised a new obstacle. "'It's not to be done, I tell you. 
how can you see miss letitia when she can't bear the light in her room do you know what colour her eyes are red poor soul red as a boiled lobster every word the woman uttered emily's perplexity and distress increased you told me my aunt's illness was fever she said and now you speak of some complaint in her eyes stand out of the way if you please and let me go to her mrs elmother still keeping her place looked through the open door here's the doctor she announced it seems i can't satisfy you ask him what's the matter come in doctor she threw open the door of the parlour and introduced emily this is the mistress's niece sir please try if you can to keep her quiet i can't she placed chairs with the hospitable politeness of the old school and returned to her post at miss letitia's bedside dr allday was an elderly man with a cool manner and a ruddy complexion thoroughly acclimatized to the atmosphere of pain and grief in which it was his destiny to live he spoke to emily without any undue familiarity as if he had been accustomed to see her for the greater part of her life that's a curious woman he said when mrs elmother closed the door the most headstrong person i think i ever met with but devoted to her mistress and making allowances for her awkwardness not a bad nurse i am afraid i can't give you an encouraging report of your aunt the rheumatic fever aggravated by the situation of this house built on clay you know and close to stagnant water has been latterly complicated by delirium is that a bad sign sir the worst possible sign it shows that the disease has affected the heart yes she is suffering from inflammation of the eyes but that is an unimportant symptom we can keep the pain under by means of cooling lotions and a dark room i've often heard her speak of you especially since the illness assumed a serious character what did you say will she know you when you go into her room this is about the time when the delirium usually sets in i'll see if there's a quiet interval he opened the door and came back again by the way he resumed i ought perhaps to explain how it was that i took the liberty of sending you that telegram mrs elmother refused to inform you of her mistress's serious illness that circumstance according to my view of it laid the responsibility on the doctor's shoulders the form taken by your aunt's delirium i mean the apparent tendency of the words that escape her in that state seems to excite some incomprehensible feeling in the mind of her crabbed servant she wouldn't even let me go into the bedroom if she could possibly help it did mrs elmother give you a warm welcome when you came here far from it my arrival seemed to annoy her ah what i expected these faithful old servants always end by presuming on their fidelity 
did you ever hear what a witty poet i forget his name he lived to be ninety said of the man who had been his valet for more than half a century for thirty years he was the best of servants and for thirty years he has been the hardest of masters quite true i might say the same of my housekeeper rather a good story isn't it the story was completely thrown away on emily but one subject interested her now my poor aunt has always been fond of me she said perhaps she might know me when she recognizes nobody else not very likely the doctor answered but there's no laying down any rule in cases of this kind i have sometimes observed that circumstances which have produced a strong impression on patients when they are in a state of health give a certain direction to the wandering of their minds when they are in a state of fever you will say i am not a circumstance i don't see how this encourages me to hope and you will be quite right instead of talking of my medical experience i shall do better to look at miss letitia and let you know the result you have got other relations i suppose no very distressing very distressing who has not suffered as emily suffered when she was left alone are there not moments if we dare to confess the truth when poor humanity loses its hold on the consolations of religion and the hope of immortality and feels the cruelty of creation that bids us live on the condition that we die and leads the first warm beginnings of love with merciless certainty to the cold conclusion of the grave she's quiet for the time being dr allday announced on his return remember please that she can't see you in the inflamed state of her eyes and don't disturb the bed curtains the sooner you go to her the better perhaps if you have anything to say which depends on her recognizing your voice i'll call to-morrow morning very distressing he repeated taking his hat and making his bow very distressing emily crossed the narrow little passage which separated the two rooms and opened the bedchamber door mrs elmother met her on the threshold no said the obstinate old servant you can't come in the faint voice of miss letitia made herself heard calling mrs elmother by her familiar nickname bony who is it never mind who is it miss emily if you must know oh poor dear why does she come here who told her i was ill the doctor told her don't come in emily it will only distress you and it will do me no good god bless you my love don't come in there said mrs elmother do you hear that go back to the sitting-room thus far the hard necessity of controlling herself had kept emily silent she was now able to speak without tears remember the old times aunt she pleaded gently 
don't keep me out of your room when i have come here to nurse you i'm her nurse go back to the sitting-room mrs elmother repeated true love lasts while life lasts the dying woman repented bony bony i can't be unkind to emily let her in mrs elmother still insisted on having her way you're contradicting your own orders she said to her mistress you don't know how soon you may begin wandering in your mind again think miss letitia think this remonstrance was received in silence mrs elmother's great gaunt figure still blocked up the doorway if you force me to it emily said quietly i must go to the doctor and ask him to interfere do you mean that mrs elmother said quietly on her side i do mean it was the answer the old servant suddenly submitted with a look which took emily by surprise she had expected to see anger the face that now confronted her was a face subdued by sorrow and fear i wash my hands of it mrs elmother said go in and take the consequences End of chapter 12